Today being the first Sunday of Advent, we prepare not primarily for Christ to come at Christmas. Christ has already come at Christmas. We remember Christ coming at Christmas to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ in judgment, for the second coming, when he comes at the end of time. And so considering that Advent is preparation for Christ to come on the last day, we're going to do a homily series inspired by Father Broussard on the precepts of the church. On the precepts of the church. And so the reason why is because what should we be doing while we are preparing for Christ to come? We should be living the whole Christian life. And the whole Christian life requires law. Because the whole Christian life requires us to live on an individual basis and also on a societal basis. And so on an individual basis, we have the law of the Ten Commandments. That the Ten Commandments, as St. Augustine says, is the very minimum of charity. It's the very minimum of staying in communion with God, is to follow the Ten Commandments. But that's at an individual level. On a societal level, what we have is canon law, because the church is a society. And so to govern the whole the church, the mystical body of Christ, We're given canon law. And within canon law, there are some laws that are so basic and so necessary for Christian living that they are set aside into their own categories. And these are called the precepts of the church. And what the precepts are, the precepts are the low watermark for living life in the church. And as we have the Ten Commandments that are the low watermark for living life in communion with God, so we have the precepts that give us that low watermark for living as a society in the church. Now, when we come through, when I uh, go through the seven different precepts, the first of which I'll be covering tonight, and then the next uh, six will be covered in sets of two throughout the four weeks of Advent, it's worth asking the question, why do I have to care? The precepts aren't the church, or the church aren't anything that Jesus himself said. And that's true. But there are iterations of what Jesus would say if he's still on earth. But now that he's in heaven, what he has done, as we see in Matthew chapter 18, is that he's given the apostles and their successors power to bind on earth what is bound in heaven, and the loose on earth, that it may be loose in heaven. And so the apostles in Matthew 18 and their successors are given the power to do this. And this is where we get canon law from, to be able to govern Christ's body. And again, those particular laws that are the low watermarks for living within the church, are the precepts of the church. And so what exactly are the precepts? In general, that word precept comes from the Latin word uh, preception, to form precipio, which means to teach. And so the thing about the precepts is not only are they supposed to be followed as a minimum, but they teach us greater about the Christian life. The law teaches. We know this very well, right? Like if you were to legalize something, a kid, unless taught otherwise, would say, oh, well, then there's nothing wrong with that if it's legal you know like we would say that for instance like a lot of 
kids might say, well, abortion is legal, so it must not be wrong. Well, it is wrong, right? But the law always teaches. And so the law of the church, the precepts, these kind of hallmarks, teach what is important to the heart of the church. And the reason why we'll be talking about the precepts, because the catechism says that the faithful have the right to be instructed in the divine saving precepts. Because these divine, pre, uh, these divine saving precepts purify judgment and with grace heal wounded human reason. They teach us what is most essential, what is most important. And so we know that um, this precept is going to be um, just the lowest of the low watermark. For instance, the precepts will speak nothing of daily prayer or rosary or works of mercy, all good for the Christian life, but this is what is most essential. And so if we miss these, then we miss Christian life within the church. But we can say that the precepts as well, they do three things, one of which is going to be important for tonight's homily. They preserve good order within the church, that whenever you have a society and you have a certain law, those laws preserve the ordering of that society. They maintain discipline of the members of the church. And then thirdly, they establish a specific Catholic identity that whatever society that you belong to, for instance, if there's like a certain fraternity or sorority, there's always going to be some laws that stick out that distinguish that fraternity or sorority from the different ones. And so the church has specific laws uh, that establish, or these laws establish as well, a specific Catholic identity. Now, it's worth mentioning that these are for the faithful, um, and that includes priests, but we even see this within the life of the priest, that the priest um, has to pray the liturgy the hours five times a day. And he has to do this because it's for the ordering of the church. It's to establish himself as specific Catholic identity. The fact that the priest prays five times a day. If we didn't have that law, like we know that priests pray. How do we know that priests pray? Because of that, because of that particular law that is um, given to the priest in obedience to the bishop. Now, you might be wondering, what are the precepts? And I'll go through them now, but again, we'll just be going over the first one tonight. The first, though, is you shall attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation and rest from servile labor. The second, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. The third, you shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season. The fourth, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. The fifth, you shall help to provide for the needs of the church. The sixth, shall follow the laws of matrimony regarding the church. And then the seventh, shall help support the mission, the missionary work of the church. Now, again, uh, in regards to the first precept, there are really two aspects. You shall attend Sunday Mass and Holy Days of Obligation. Congratulations, you're doing right now, you know. Um, so, so that's happening. And then the second, you shall rest from servile labor. 
So with that first aspect, again, it, there's, it doesn't seem to be much to address here since I'm preaching to the choir. Now you're all at Sunday Mass. But there may be some of you who um, are, have been habituated since COVID to just come to Mass most of the time. Or to think that if I can't make Mass, it's still a good substitute to be able to watch on television. It is not. Um, since in Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 18, whenever Jesus gave his apostles and the successors to those apostles the power to bind on earth legally, whatever they were to legally bind on earth would be down in heaven. Whatever they were to loose legally on earth would be loosed in heaven. Then whenever Bishop Desitel, a successor to the apostles in the Diocese of Lafayette, this past June on the Feast of Corpus Christi, obligated us again to keep holy the Sabbath day by attending Mass, then it bound all of us. It was bound on earth, it was bound in heaven. That now we are to attend Mass every Sunday, and it's a non-negotiable. Except, of course, if we're seriously ill. And even in that case, if we are seriously ill, it is worth mentioning that we still are to keep the Sabbath day holy. That while serious illness might loose us from the church, church's command, does not loose us from God's command. God still requires of us to keep the Sabbath day holy. And the way in which we should have been doing that during COVID and the way in which we should do that if we seriously cannot make it to Mass is by the reading of Holy Scripture, perhaps the praying of the rosary, to do something out of the ordinary to set this day apart from the other days apart. And because we have to set this day apart from the other days apart, then there's that second half of the precept, to rest from servile labor. Now, this rest from servile labor, it seems like it's kind of like a, it's like the lanyap side of the command. You know, like, nobody really knows exactly what it means. It's not so black and white, so we're not really going to bother with it. But I'd like to point something out. That what this does, as well as going to Mass on Sunday, it witnesses that we are Catholic. This resting from servile labor also witnesses that we are Catholic. And it witnesses that to the world. It establishes that Catholic identity. But it's more than just establishing a Catholic identity. It's about establishing a human identity. We often lament in today's society that we see one another in a sexualized and an objectified way. We lament that all the time. So wish that we wouldn't be surrounded by all this. But before that sexual revolution, especially hit in the 1960s, way before that, philosophically, there predated this other movement. This movement from that started with this philosopher named Francis Bacon, who basically saw man as a machine that we see ourselves as a machine, and that what fills this machine is like, you know, is for instance, just like the, if I'm reduced to a machine, what does a machine need? A machine needs fuel, a machine needs gas. And so what do I do when I work, 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 then whenever I get off of that, then I just consume, consume, consume. I consume all this pleasure. And so what this rest and this true rest, which we'll talk about what that looks like, does on Sunday, is that it shows that man is not a machine. This is why Jesus is so concerned 
with resting on the Sabbath, being healed on the Sabbath. And he uh, gets after these Pharisees who take their cows out to water, their bulls out to water and things like that, and do not let him heal on the Sabbath. Because he says that man is not made for work, but work for man. That man is not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Now, again, this uh, mechanization of man, that man is simply a machine, ends up leading to this kind of sexual revolution where we are now. Because I work, I work, I work, I put in all this stuff, and then what do I have to, I'm just a machine, what do I have to restore me? It's just the goods of the flesh. It's just different media outlets, it's different uh, sexual or, or, um, or food or drink pleasures, all of these things is really what I'm reduced to. There's nothing higher. But what we know about rest, particularly from the light of heaven, whenever we celebrate a funeral, we talk about something, we say rest in peace. May they rest in peace. What we're saying is what they'll be doing in heaven is rest. And what is the activity of heaven? It can be simplified to two things. The contemplation of God and fellowship with the saints. Contemplation with God and fellowship with the saints. If I do not set time apart to pray especially on Sunday, if I do not spend time with others, just simply wasting time with others in a good way, then I'm not really resting the way in which God desires me to. And what that rest does, again, whenever we show others that we can waste time with God in the chapel, and that we can, so to speak, waste time with others in a good way, is that it shows the dignity of ourselves. It shows that I am not just someone who like gets all my studying done, and then once I'm done studying, then I plug into my phone, and then I rinse, wash, repeat, and I do that over and over. It shows that I am not a machine. And so that rest establishes that Catholic identity showing to the world the dignity of man. And this day of rest doesn't need to just be considered on an individual level, like what I should be doing, but it should be considered on a societal level, especially if we are business employers, but also on our day of rest, do I regularly put people in a position to where they have to work, right? My rest as Again, getting away from that idea that man is a machine, the way in which machine is fueled is by consumption. And so consumerism often just becomes the thing that we do on Sunday. We just like go out and buy stuff or go out and, and make people work, really, because that's the way that we know how to rest. And so we should avoid consumerism on Sunday because it forces another person to work. It forces another person to be pulled away from their rest. That, that command, servile labor, that word servile literally means the work of a slave. And so, of course, there are exceptions, right? Like, we can't put, people still get their arms broken on Sundays. And so you probably need an emergency room. Um, still, people still do, you know, um, yeah, all kind of crazy things that require some sort of emergency task force. Like crimes are still committed on Sundays. Criminals don't 
you know, criminals might not follow the third commandment or the first precept of the church. They might, we might need a law force to exist on Sundays as well. And so there, there are obvious exceptions. But in conclusion, just for the things now, um, for the, this first precept, is just to consider that, again, while the precepts give us the low watermark, they also show what is at the heart of the church. That they are meant, as we heard in the second reading, to strengthen our hearts so that we can be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. And so we ask that the Lord can give us a great desire to rest in him in eternity so that we can rest specifically on his Sabbath day, that we can observe the Mass, we can always sacrifice whatever is necessary to be at the sacrifice of the Mass, that we may enjoy eternity with him.